0: I want to kind of look at two passages of, of uh, the Bible this morning, kind of hold them together. One is in, in Galatians chapter 3, so if you've got a Bible with you, you might want to turn there first. So I'm going to read from Galatians 3, verse 26 to 29. But then I'm also going to look at Isaiah chapter 54, and in fact that's where we're going to spend most time this morning. So you might have your finger in there as well. It's uh, this is my last preach. It's it's wow, that's very kind of me. <laughs> it's really very strange. I, I was looking back through through my notes to see when I first preached a message here in Winchester Family Church. It was 14 years ago. So uh, you know, I don't think that one was any good. But uh, I, mean, I I have a, a love for the Word of God, and I just hope that you know over these years, you know, I've just been able to convey even a little bit of that to you but it has been a tremendous privilege to be able to bring God's word to you even you know on a, a periodic basis but uh, it's just it's just great and I consider it uh, to be a, a real privilege and a real joy. So here we are at, at uh, the last one and uh, I, I have felt that God's laid this passage on my heart so, uh, why don't we pray and then I'll read it and, and then we'll get stuck into it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you. It's uh, such a great um, treasure chest of, of uh, precious insights and revelation about who you are, about your, your plans that span all of time and yet catch us up in this time. In, into them, Lord, we just thank you for your plans. We marvel at them. We marvel at your grace, Lord. As we look into your word again, Lord, would you just bring it to to life in our lives, Lord? Would, would you ignite it, Lord? Ignite a flame within us. Stir us again. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. Okay, well, let's let's read first of all this some verses from Galatians chapter three. On just read from verse twenty six. To 29. And it says this You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And I want us to particularly remember that last verse. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, let's now go to Isaiah 54, where we see a promise of God. Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 3, say this. Sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labour. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And I feel that that passage in Isaiah has special significance for us in the church here at at this time. And uh, I felt God lay it on my heart um, a few months ago. I knew that I was working towards my, my kind of last opportunity to speak to you and was just thinking, oh, what, what would I say on that occasion? And, uh, and, and just felt led to, to this, this passage in Isaiah. But then when Julian Adams was here a few weeks ago, he also brought this passage prophetically over us. And, uh, and it, it seems to be cropping up all over the place. It's a wonderful statement of the prophetic promise of God and it's clearly good news and you can read passages like that in scripture and you can think wow whoever God is talking about there has has done well I mean that they're they're clearly in in the favour of God I mean what blessing I wish I was that person well do you know you are that person You are right to claim this passage and speak it over yourself, over your life. We're right to speak it over Winchester Family Church at this time and expect its fulfilment. And I want to explain why. You see, in an amazing way, this passage, it, it kind of looks all the way back through time to the time of Abraham. And it also looks forward prophetically right through the new covenant that we have in Jesus to the early church that Paul was writing to in Galatians and onwards through time to to now, to the church today, to our church right here. And the first thing we have to understand is that we are Abraham's seed. Now, to fully understand what what that means, we need to look backwards um, right back almost the start of the bible to the story of abraham now abraham uh starts off he's, he's called abram in our in our bibles he he was just a normal guy and uh he he worshipped god he he feared god but other than that he he wasn't that exceptional god chose him and chose to make a covenant with him And uh, it's worth just reading the the, the bit of the story in in Genesis 15. So uh, I'm going to put that up on the screen. If we can leap forward to Genesis 15. There we go. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliza of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him This man won't be your heir. A son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens. And count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited, credited it to him as righteousness. So even though Abraham and his wife Sarah were old and, and they were barren, they'd been unable to conceive, several years later God gave them a son, Isaac, and so God's promise was, was fulfilled. God's promise to Abraham was, was for blessing. And it was for fruitfulness. And it was for many, many descendants. And that's Abraham's seed. That was his offspring, Abraham's seed. Now you can read about Abraham in, in the book of Genesis. And you can look at God's promise to him that he would have many descendants. And you can think, well, that was fulfilled, wasn't it, in, in the Jewish people? Because Abraham had Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, and, and they became the, the 12 tribes of, of, uh, of Israel. And, and that's how the promise was fulfilled. But you know, that's not what the New Testament teaches, that's not what Jesus taught, actually. Let me just give you two more verses. Romans nine, verse eight, says this: "It is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring." So it's not the, the, the you know, it's not Isaac and Jacob, you know it's not the Jewish descendants of Abraham who are considered God's children, but it is the children of the promise. Who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. And then I just remind you again of Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. It's the same word, Abraham's offspring. And heirs according to the promise. So if you belong to Christ, then this is all about you. This is all about us. Every promise given to Abraham, every promise that's interpreted throughout scripture, including our passage in Isaiah 54, is also given to you. It's given to us. It's given to his people, anybody who is in Christ. And you know, you can be this kind of descendant of Abraham because you can become a descendant of Abraham when you belong to Christ. It's belonging to Jesus that's important. And you belong to Jesus when you put your faith in him. When you trust Jesus and his work on the cross for your salvation. So when Paul, then the Apostle Paul is writing Galatians, and he's writing in Galatians 4, he quotes the promise in Isaiah. He says, be glad, O barren woman who bears no children, break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labour pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. And then Paul goes on to say, now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. So it's absolutely right, as Winchester Family Church, that we read Isaiah 54... And we say, now you, Winchester Family Church, are children of promise. You see, I believe when Christians, when the church truly kind of wakes up to its position in God, to to God's eternal plan, then blessing and and fruitfulness is the inevitable result. We just have to, to understand our position in the promise. We are Abraham's seed. We, we are the people. We, we, we stand to, as children of promise. I believe we are entering an exceptional season of blessing in the church. A season of harvest. A season of expansion. It is a time of change. Lots of things are changing. It's a time of big expectation. It's not that God's promises have changed. I think what has changed is our level of faith and expectation. Because we are Abraham's seed. We are children of promise. Well, what does that promise mean for us then? The first thing it means is this is a promise of God's grace. This is the miraculous promise. Provision of God. This is God doing what only God can do. See Isaiah 54 verse 1 begins, Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child. And Isaiah is thinking back and he's remembering Abraham's wife Sarah. Because God came and promised Abraham children, offspring. But Sarah had never been able to conceive. I'm sure it wasn't for want of trying, but she'd never been able to to have children. And now she was old. So the only way that God's promise would be fulfilled was if God acted supernaturally. And and that's the nature of the promise. Abraham tried a, a kind of worldly solution. And and he had sex with the slave, Hagar, and and they they had a son, Ishmael. But but that wasn't the promise. That's not where God's promise was. The fulfilment of the promise had to come from God, as a work of God, doing only what God can do. And you know, the reason we are brought into this promise is because God has acted. Because he established a covenant of grace with us. That is entirely through the work of Jesus. Do you know, you were helpless to save yourself. You were lost in sin, condemned to die. It's the ultimate state of barrenness. Completely unable to help ourselves. But God acted. It was God's grace. God sent his son, Jesus, who paid the ransom price for your life by dying on the cross. And so, as we read in Galatians, you can become a child of God simply by faith in Jesus. Every time anybody puts their faith in Jesus, it is the extraordinary provision of God. It's like the birth of Isaac to Abraham. It's unmerited, it's unjustified, it's inconceivable, to the point of being impossible. But God did it. That's in the promise. God doing things that only God can do. And do you know that God continues to work? He continues to bless just as acts of his grace. Not because we're qualified, not because we have fulfilled some criteria, or because we have the resources that we need. Do you know, there's, I, I just believe there is a work that God wants to do in this place. With us as a church, that is truly miraculous. A work that shouldn't be possible based on a, a kind of natural calculation of who we are and the resources that we have, the people we have, the, the money we have. Because when God works, he always exceeds the natural potential of his people. That's what it means to be Abraham's seed. You see, that's, that's in the promise. When Julian Adams brought his prophecy two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he said that there are doors that we have tried to open, but the way has been barred. We have tried things as a church, but they have not worked. And at times it is seen that we are barren. But we should push those doors again, and they will open. Oh, it sounds great doesn't it? You might have heard God calling you to do something in your own life and you have quickly ruled it out. You've quickly disqualified yourself. Maybe you thought I'm not clever enough. Maybe you thought I'm, I've not been a Christian long enough. Maybe you thought I'm not outgoing enough. I don't know the right sort of people. You know, I've, Maybe you thought I've done that before and it, it hasn't worked that well. It was okay for a season, but, but now it's history. Maybe you're just thinking it's too big and I'm too small. I wouldn't know where to start. And what you're saying, in effect, is I can't conceive of that ever working. I can't conceive of me ever operating in that way. I can't conceive of me ever doing that. You're just saying, I can't conceive. What you're saying is, I'm barren. I'm barren. It's it's out of my natural ability. But you know, that is exactly... When God can use you. Because the fruit of God's kingdom does not depend on natural solutions, but on the miraculous, on the radical, gracious provision of God. It's God doing what only God can do. That's what Abraham's seed is. That's what the promise of God is. It's God acting graciously, miraculously, powerfully. But then secondly, in this promise, there is the promise of an abundant harvest. The provision of God is not only miraculous, it's also abundant. It's wildly lavish and generous. Isaiah says, more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. If God had said to Abraham, even though you are old and barren, I'm going to give you a son. Now that would have been something. That would have been truly amazing. But God told him to go out and count the stars. Now that was an impossible job. There was no light pollution. I'm sure there would have been a lot of stars. And God said to him, that is how many descendants you will have. You see, the seed, the seed has life potential within it. It's not just for kind of one offspring, but many. It's not just for one generation, but there are cycles of harvest and new life. So when God says that you are Abraham's seed, there is abundant life potential there. And I believe God wants to bring a big harvest that God wants to do a big thing and multiply this harvest in us too. At this time, we should just expect God to do a big thing. For Him to save many. For Him to enlarge our territory. To take us to an entirely new level of encountering God and, and living a radical New Testament church life. That's, that's in the seed. You see that potential. That abundance. That is just contained in that promise. We should look to the future, I believe, more than we do. You know, we are only the seed. The seed is full of potential. When you look at it in your hand, it's actually pretty disappointing, isn't it? It can look a bit kind of shabby and rough. But when you drive past the the harvest field, you think, wow, that's truly amazing. Um, And we're the seed. I mean, it's not it's not to have a downer on the church and think, oh, that's a bit disappointing. It's to think, wow, that is amazing. The potential that is contained in us through God's grace. I'm so excited about what God is going to do here in this church. I'm kind of also a bit sad that I'm leaving and uh, won't be around to see it. It will be after I've gone. But, you know, I think there is a promise. And the promise is for enlargement. The promise is for increase. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. You know, when when a person gets saved, we're very grateful, aren't we? And, and, uh, you know, we're glad to have them and we welcome them in. I think we should already be giving thanks for the way that God will work through that person to reach three of their friends or, or five of their work colleagues. And then those three friends and five work colleagues will, meet, will reach three more of their work colleagues. You see, for every person, there is a seed. They're Abraham's seed. There is potential. There is increase. And there is a harvest. So that's in these verses in, in Isaiah. They contain a prophetic promise to Abraham's seed. And we are Abraham's seed. So they speak to us. They speak of the most amazing, miraculous, abundant blessing and, and provision of God. Do you know what? I don't think that God is singling us out as a church and saying, do you know what, Isaiah 54, I wrote it just for you. You know, this, these verses, they're just for you, Winchester. No, I mean, it's in the Bible, isn't it? It's, it's true for, for everybody. It's true for everyone who is in Christ. I do believe he is specifically saying to us at this time, come on, this is a time when you really need to pay attention to this, to remember who you are. But our responsibility is not to kind of hope that it's true. Hope hope that there is a harvest, hope that God is gracious. We don't even need to pray that it is true. It is true. It is a statement of fact. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed. We just need to believe it. But there is a a response and uh, Isaiah leads us into the response that is right. We need to prepare. And uh, as God speaks these promises over us, the challenge is not to be passive, but to respond in faith. Isaiah fifty four two says, "Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back." I've been in, in Winchester now for for twenty years, also just coming up to twenty years, and uh, I've seen some some wonderful things over that time, and and many exciting uh, things have happened. Um, just a. a you know, we've seen God move powerfully on, on several occasions and, and uh, it really has been good to be here and good to be a part of this precious, precious church. And, uh, but you know what? I just can't ever remember a time quite like this. And I'll tell you why. It's because there is on the one hand an expectation of change and some of that is kind of, you know, just is already kind of happening, isn't it? With, with Steve taking over the lead elder and bringing sort of a new sense of vision and, and direction and, uh, and, and other changes that we know about, not, not least, you know, just me and my family going to, to Chichester. So that there is change. There's change in many aspects, actually. But coupled with that change, there is a, a hunger for the presence of God. Now, I think when those two things go together, an expectation of change and a hunger for the presence of God, and you bring those two things together, I believe that is a potent combination. And uh, I, I think that's that's just hugely exciting. And uh, what a time to be leaving. But the encouragement of Scripture is don't hold back now. Don't hold back. Prepare for the enlargement that God wants to bring. Now the picture that Isaiah 54 leads us into is is the situation when parents are expecting the arrival of a new baby. And I can just about remember that, it's over a decade ago, and it's getting a bit foggy in my memory. But I know that as soon as you know when you're going to have a new baby, all your sort of plans change, don't they? Suddenly you're you're making preparations for the future. You're, You're buying in clothes, you're sorting out the house. In, in my day, you would buy a pram. You, you don't do that anymore. You now buy a sort of a McLaren F1 super baby transportation system. <laughs> but the, but you get ready. You, you make preparations. God says that through Isaiah, we should expect not just one baby, but many. And if you've ever had twins, you'll know that the level of chaos goes up exponentially with the, the number of children. But we should get ready. And the picture that Isaiah uses is, is from camping and, uh, and the analogy of living in a tent. Now camping might not be your, your first love, it's, uh, it's not really mine either, but we are booked in together at West Point. The Thompson family will be there and uh, it's not because I love camping so much, it's because I wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to be together. As, uh, as a family of churches and to hear apostolic direction and the sense of God leading us and directing us and meeting with us, I wouldn't want to miss it. So we will be there. We will be on the Grace Church Chichester site and uh, we may be a bit lonely, so do come and see us. So uh, I don't think that pitch will be as big as the Winchester Family Church pitch this year. Maybe next year it will. Um, so, so, you know, it will be great. Do be there. Anyway, the picture is from camping. For the Israelites, this was, uh, this brought very fond memories because that time when they were living in tents in the desert was, was a good time in their history. It was when their Yahweh, covenant God, dwelt with them and they would have looked back fondly at this time. And the tents were panels of material or skin which were laced tightly together. And then supported on poles, which which were then held up on guy ropes, which were attached to stakes that were driven into the ground. And in order to to prepare for enlargement, it was necessary to slacken off these laces that held the, the panels together so that extra panels could be fitted in. But then the whole thing would become heavier. So, so, the stakes that held up the, the, the guy ropes would, would need to be driven further into the ground to make sure that the whole structure was, was steady. And that is the picture. For us as a church, I think this is a time when we need to be both lengthening the cords and also strengthening the stakes. Let's look at those lengthening the cords. There can be things in our own lives and in the life of the church that we love to cling on to tightly. And we say to God, well, change is fine, Lord, but you're not having this. I want to hold on to this. And I mean, I've battled battled with this. I actually quite like change. I like it when things are dynamic and, and moving, but... I know that I was in a place where I was saying to God, change is fine, Lord, but don't make me move. I, I like Winchester. I like my house. I like this church. I, I don't want to move. Now, it's not that God has a priority of systematically removing from our lives everything that we hold dear. That's, that's not what God is like. And... and He will, whenever we sacrifice something for Him, He will return a blessing that is abundant, that is a measure that is pressed down and and running over. God is good. God is gracious. But you know, we limit the purposes of God. We limit the blessing that we could receive when we say, this is mine and I'm holding on to this tightly. And it may be that God has called you to do something new for him. It may be you just know the voice of God, but you're saying, yeah, but I would have to give up this. And it's precious to me. There is a harvest that God wants to bring into your life, I believe. An expansion. An expansion of fruitfulness, a growth in the things of the Spirit. But you need to loosen the cords. There are things you maybe just need to let go of. Let go of a sinful lifestyle. Let go of compromise. Let go of unforgiveness. Let go of materialism. There there can be things which are in no way sinful. Things which are good and a good part of life. And yet if we hold on to them, it can limit what God is doing. And God might just be saying, let go of it. Let go of that Leisure activity. Let go of, of your preconceived expectations for the future. As God expands you, just let the cords run through your fingers. Don't yank it back and say, no, that, that's far enough. I'm holding on to that. And this is an exciting season in the church. I believe God is making us into a new wineskin that is going to be supple, that's going to be able to stretch and expand and adapt and ultimately contain much more wine than it could previously. And we need to be ready. I don't think God will change us completely out of all recognition. God has given us a a unique and precious identity. But in this season, it is inevitable. Steve and the other elders will, will, will lead this church in ways that will challenge our preconceived ideas of how we do things around here. And you can think, oh, hold on, we've never done it that way. That's, that's not who we are, that's, that's not how we do it. But this is a season for loosening the cords. Charles Schwartz is a, a church researcher, he says this, people in the natural course of human nature tend to hold on to the familiar more and more. This is called traditionalism. Of all the factors which have a negative effect on the growth of the church, traditionalism is the worst. Well, that's his opinion anyway. I'm not sure if it is the worst. I can think of some other things that have a pretty negative effect on church growth. But the point is, it's bad. (laughs) It doesn't help. Holding on to things will limit the blessing of God, the provision of harvest, the expansion that I believe God wants to bring. So hold on to the practices of the church loosely. You know, I I do hope I will return to preach one day. You never know. I would be as a visiting preacher, which just isn't quite the same. But, uh, you know, I do hope one day I'm invited back. I'll certainly come back as a visitor. I'm sure uh, you'll see us around. And uh, do you know what I think? I think pretty soon, in many ways, you will be unrecognisable you won't be the church that I left. Now that actually makes me quite sad. But it also makes me tremendously excited. Excited for you. Actually proud of who you are and what you will achieve with him. You will be better. You will be better. You will have expanded the place of your tent. But that means embracing change. It's saying, well, this is new, You know, we haven't done it that way, but but let's do it. Let's, Let's go for it anyway. Loosening the cords. And then lastly, strengthening the stakes. At a time of enlargement, expansion, a time of change, there can be added tension and pressure to compromise on the very things that anchor us into Jesus. And these are stakes that we need to guard carefully. And maybe we need to bash them into the ground a bit more tightly. Let me give you some stakes. One stake in the ground would be the word of God. God's word is a a stake in the ground. As we go forward as a church, we need to make sure every practice, every opinion, every teaching, every activity is based firmly on scripture. Let that be the measure against which we judge everything. Not not the latest philosophy, not the latest Christian paperback, but the Word of God. But there there is more to it than that. It's not just adhering to God's Word. You know, I just encourage you to be hungry for God's Word. You know, study it, preach it, apply it, love it, immerse yourself in it. We have a heritage here of being a strongly word-based church. And I've heard several people just anecdotally say to me recently in the course of conversation, of course, we are a very well-taught church. And they're kind of saying it like it's a bad thing. It's like we're kind of fat cats who are sort of wallowing like that because we've had too much McDonald's and we don't know what to do with it. Well... Are we that well taught? Do you know what I say? Be careful. Don't let the devil rob you of your love for God's word. Don't let him say to you that we don't need more teaching. Always elevate the preaching of God's word. To study the Bible is a good thing. It is a bottomless well of treasure. Plumb the depths of God's word. That's a stake in the ground. We need to reinforce it. Of course, then we need to match our study and our preaching of God's word with, with the tenacious application of God's word. So that we are building New Testament church, so that we are seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. But don't undermine the teaching, the, the study of God's word. No, we, we want that and then we want to do it. It's a stake in the ground. Let's not let it slide out. Do you know what? Another stake in the ground would be baptism in the Holy Spirit. When we gather as a church, like we are today, and we're worshiping, and uh, we feel the Holy Spirit moving among us, like we did this morning, it's just great, isn't it? And there's there's prophecy. Lynette's prophecy, just fantastic. And uh, and and there's tongues and interpretation. And that is fantastic. And we want to see that all the more. But I know that you can look at that, perhaps from up on the balcony, you can look at it and you can say, we are a charismatic church. But what I want to ask you is, are you a charismatic believer? You see, the Holy Spirit is not given to the church to be an activity up the front. God says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. So in our foundations course, when people are saved on Alpha, in your community groups, when you're discipling one another, press through on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you know, we will only truly be a charismatic church when every believer has a personal experience and expectation of a powerful, infilling, impartation of the Holy Spirit. That, I believe, is a stake in the ground. When I came to this church 20 years ago, I really did not know a great deal about who the Holy Spirit is and, and how he is a, a grace, grace gift to me. To me, the Holy Spirit was, was just a, a doctrine. A, a, it was distant. But through the, 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 the kind of teaching of this church, through the, 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 the faith expectation and the way we have walked over these years, I was brought into the tremendous relationship, love relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and there are people not far from us who have fought to restore the church in this respect. And we mustn't let it slide. We mustn't think, yeah, we're seeing it on a Sunday morning and our worship is lively. We are charismatic. Let's all press through on baptism in the Holy Spirit. That, I believe, is a stake in the ground. It's something we must stand firmly on. Now, do you know what I feel? This is like my last opportunity. I could go all day with this sort of stuff, but I won't. There are many stakes in the ground, aren't there? I could talk about prayer. You know, this is a stake in the ground. We need to stand firmly on that. Not letting it slide, not letting it be kind of compromised, but but fiercely being a people of prayer, particularly when things are changing. What a privilege it is that we can influence the arm of the Almighty God through the prayers of his children. Let's, Let's stand firmly, take every opportunity to pray. Let me get to the most important thing. The most important thing is the command at the start of Isaiah 54. And if I was going to leave you with one thing, this would be the one thing that I would want to leave you with. It is the command in Isaiah 54 to sing. It says, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child. And the most important thing I can say to you is don't ever stop enjoying God. Don't ever stop celebrating his goodness. Because he has brought you from a place of desolation to a place of blessing. He's brought you from a place of hopelessness to a place of promise. And you did nothing. And he did it all. And the only heart response you can have to God is to sing. Out of gratitude. So... It is a good thing to be Abraham's seed. It is a good thing to be children of promise. It's a promise of amazing grace. It is a promise of an abundant harvest. Do you know what? Let's claim it. Because you are Abraham's seed. Let's prepare. Let's loosen the cords, strengthen the stakes, and let's sing. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.